2: I feel like I should. Uh, I feel like I should get down in some way. Uh, all right, so that music uh, is one of the ways that you know that we've actually survived a whole week. I think without Kion Wolf, uh, both running the board and doing the intros, and we have to do a whole other week without Kion Wolf. She's out in Hawaii, so uh, if you're missing her, so are we. But that doesn't mean we're not going to do a great show for you. We've got a great nose for you today. Uh, and joining us uh, on the nose, uh, Tanisha Dugan, who now does something extremely important in theater works. I'm not 100%. And she also, in her spare time, hunts the wildebeest. Uh, <laughs> and also, right now, brandishing his brand new warthog trophy, uh, it's Jim Chapdelaine, a producer, guitarist, uh, and everything else extraordinaire. Uh, and... What would Teresa Kramer hunt? What, what, what animal would she stalk pandas. through the wild? <laughs> I, <remember>, I have <laughs> right. a problem with She's, pandas. I she subsists like on the blood of freshly <laughs> killed pandas. <laughs> <laughs> Teresa Kramer, one of the founders of The Cut, uh, a magazine for uh, annoyed, non-hunting young adults of Connecticut. So, um, as everything that I've said just suggested, our first segment today is going to be about the doth. Of Cecil the Lion, the outrage about the death of Cecil the Lion, the uh, outrage and and death threats visited upon uh, Dr. Palmer, the dentist who pulled the trigger uh, and shot the arrow as far as that goes to. Uh, uh, but our, in our second segment, we're going to talk about kind of the Amy Schumer moment. You know, it's big. It's it's everything, obviously, from the the, the new movie Trainwreck to the Star Wars-influenced uh, GQ cover to questions about uh, the propriety of her material, her message about her generation You name it. It's all about Amy Schumer these days. Uh, And then in our final segment, of course, we will do endorsements. But yes, let's begin with the sad story of Cecil the lion. Uh, Cecil was uh, a black maned lion. He was kind of a symbol of Zimbabwe, although I have to be honest and say I never heard of Cecil before he died. Uh, But apparently, I mean, if you were into that kind of thing, he was very important. Uh, We now know that Walter Palmer, an American dentist and recreational game hunter from Minnesota, reportedly paid $50,000 to a professional hunter. Theo Bronkhorst to be able to uh, kill the lion. Uh, He was allegedly lured, Cecil that is, out of the sanctuary, the wild game sanctuary where he would have been protected. He was shot uh, and was wounded with an arrow and then tracked for 40 hours and killed with a rifle and then all hell broke loose. Well we should also say he was skinned and his head was removed. And so all hell broke loose. It turned out that he was being tracked uh, by uh, some kind of GPS transponder by uh, Oxford University as part of a larger study. And then, I mean, everybody kind of went nuts. Uh, Late night television show host Jimmy Kimmel – Choked up on the air. Um, all kinds of people, ranging from Olivia Wilde to Alyssa Milano, Newt Gingrich, and Judd Apatow. Boy, get it, try getting those people to agree about anything else. But Did they are very, dis, very, very disgusted. Yeah, was very vocal. Very disgusted about Walter Palmer. Um, and well, it goes on and on. And of course, there were death threats. And then there was sort of another round of backlash. Like, well, why are we so upset about this? And uh, Roxanne Gay. I think is the person, the writer Roxane Gay, kind of started off this thing on Twitter saying if black people uh, dressed up as lions, maybe people would be more concerned when they got shot, and that kind of turned into a thing. So we're going to talk about all of this stuff, and I scarcely know where to begin. Although I will say that I'm very open to all of these different criticisms and backlashes. But Teresa Kramer, when I first heard about this, I have to admit, my first response was this kind of primal rage where I thought – Oh, well, his dental practice is going to get shut down, and I'm yeah. kind of happy about that. <laughs>
3: um, yeah, I would agree. I, his dental practice is more than shut down at this point. He's on the run because Zimbabwe wants to extradite him, and uh, he's in hiding, apparently. Um, but yeah, I had the same reaction but I am a avowed animal person. I like them more than people most of the time and therefore I get angry at things like this. But for me it's also a symbol of a larger problem in that we don't treat this planet very nicely and you know there's something like 32,000 lions left in Africa. They're getting close, close to being um not quite endangered, but whatever the the rung below that is and it's strange to me that you're that there is even a legal way to be able to do this.
2: Well, we also know, Mm -hmm. we now know more about Walter Palmer. Not that he's like the first person to do this or anything, but we've seen uh, lots of pictures of him. Uh, one almost kind of erotically cradling a dead leopard that he's uh, killed. Uh, he got in trouble for. Uh, I think we think with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service mm-hmm. for the killing. I think out of season, maybe of some kind of gigantic bear. Uh, he's very
3: he lied about where he killed it. Oh, uh, where he killed again. it? That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: and uh, he has also killed rhinos. He's killed all kinds of things. Although Jim Chapdelaine, uh, as you you said right before we went the air on the air, this has been going on for a long time. It's kind of interesting that we're really outraged about lion killing.
1: Well, I I think his first mistake was killing an animal that has a name. Right. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, we impart all these characteristics. I think what he did is horrible. And if you look into his past, he's sort of an idiot. And he has a (laughs) a thing where he – I think there's uh, several restraining orders on him uh, either by an ex-wife or a girlfriend. But more importantly, it seems like it's a schematic for modern anger. And this is like the culmination of – if we split anger into a Darwinian thing where, okay, you push my kid off her bike, I'm going to smack you in the head. That's a a legitimate kind of anger that we all feel. We stub our toes. We get angry at a chair. Uh, And then there's this sort of societal collective pitchfork and a type of mob mentality anger that used to require you to actually get a pitchfork and a torch and get the mob together. And now you can kind of do that on Twitter pretty easily and and ruin this guy's life, whether he deserves it or not. I, I'm sort of for it. But but I, I think the other weird thing to me is that anger is not a zero-sum game, game in today's society. There's tons of it. There's plenty to go around. So in the background of this is an, a white officer shooting Samuel DuBose in the head on film. And I think people are so numb to the fact that black men and women under bland are, are being killed that the lion is like oh here's here's a whole new thing that that rich white men are shooting and we can we can get mad at that and that'll distract us for a minute and during that minute there goes Samuel DuBose. so it's a very weird kind of portrait of where we're at right now that said I think his, his head is probably uh, hung somewhere already on a, in a trophy room. Yeah, Walter Palmer is, is, on, a, is on a stand you No, know, I told
2: you before the show started, he's opening up a new office in Bhutan. <laughs> that's uh, right. That's, uh, that's Some right. of his patients <laughs> like him so much they are going to follow him there yeah. too. So Tanisha Dugan, was uh, we could tell, tell from the emails, the story, <laughs> it didn't resonate with you the same way it resonated with, say, Jimmy Kimmel. You were not moved to tears.
0: Not at all. I guess the fact that I kept thinking of him as Walter White, it's probably indicative of how <laughs> little I care about this story. Um, I think it's interesting, your perspective on it, because I actually think that it may be distracting to you, but to the folks that I hang with, it's actually not distracting. I guess I'm sort of like the black Twitter mm-hmm. of the panel no, <laughs> today. I no, mean, I'm saying it's like not
1: like, distracting. It's no. not a zero sum. In other words, by by clicking this button over here and saying, yeah, I don't like what he did to Cecil. Or Cecil, depending on where right. you hail from, uh, but I'm still much more concerned about this campus policeman a having a gun. And I guess that's the thing. I don't
0: know if is really happening. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that that kind of thinking is happening. I suspect people are outraged about the lion and they. But are you
1: can be outraged about pull. two things at once. I, I think. agree, and, the, I, and don't I don't think they they're are. equal. I don't think they're equal. Yeah. I think most people are far more concerned about this epidemic of randomly shooting black
2: people. You know, I'm not sure. I I may side a little bit with Tanisha about this, although I totally agree. We don't have to make one thing the enemy of the other, right? We can be outraged about the mistreatment of animals or wildlife or whatever and still have a very strong conscience about what's going on with race. But I do think there's a whole sector of humankind, of American humankind, that will really just go from zero to 60 into the red zone about something like this lion and who just – they just – they don't read the article. They don't watch the show. So if it's if there's something going on about Ferguson or Baltimore or they, they just they, – sure, for yeah, whatever yeah. reason, right. it just doesn't kick in. And I think the name pictures.
0: thing is probably true. I think thinking of it as a cartoon character and mm-hmm. this beloved cartoon character that this one country loves does sort of resonate with people. But at the end of the day, do you really care about deer hunting in your state? No. Like, you know but what I, I mean? I think that's a very separate thing. Yeah, that's a
3: very this separate is issue. This is entitled
1: white people – Trophy hunting and abusing that, and, and most of this money, if you look into it, does not go back into mm-hmm. conservation. Somebody recently paid three hundred fifty or three hundred seventy-five thousand dollars to kill a rhino, mm-hmm. a, a, the son of a Texas oil billionaire. Right. This is insane. Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: well, this it's definitely geared towards a certain sector. I mean, I think we were talking in the emails that the Trumps are very into. Yes, for sure. sure. Kind of yeah, thing. they're always. So this is definitely a voice. certain kind of person who digs this kind of thing Mm -hmm. but it
2: is it's also there's something um uh, imagistic about it that's very vivid so Mm -hmm. i like i i i don't know if jimmy kimmel eats factory farmed pork Um, (laughs) if he does you know i mean well so that's really horrible and what's Mm -hmm. done to pigs in those kinds of situations is unconscionable and Mm -hmm. it's mass torture uh, of an animal but it doesn't really kind of have the eye-grabbing spectacle of a dead lion Mm -hmm.
3: No, it does not. And um, it, Jimmy Kimmel is actually a bit of a foodie, so I'm guessing he doesn't actually factory farmed uh, pigs. But um, th- a, there you is have a something different. Huh? I, I do. I have a Jimmy Kimmel thing. I kind of right. have a little crush on him. But anyway, so <laughs> I love Jimmy. Kimmel. Let it be known. And he cries a lot on his show, actually, mm, quite often. So um, yeah, I mean. Killing an animal for food that is plentiful and sometimes overly abundant, like say white-tailed deer in Connecticut, which causes many accidents and Lyme disease and all sorts of things. And because we've killed all of their apex predators, they're you know out of control, um, is very different from killing something that is rare. And on its way out of this world, like I think I read that by 2050, lions are expected to be extinct. So well, we're not getting rid of you know cows anytime soon. They're not going anywhere.
1: And that's a specific yeah. reason they're mm-hmm. they want to kill that is because, yeah, because it's, we got to get them before they're gone. Because no one else can kill them. Yes. we can. <laughs>
3: yes. It's I mean, and there there is something about the idea of killing something for sport, not for survival, that is just sick and twisted in a way that reminds me of, as I said many times in our emails, of the weird kid in your neighborhood who like tortures animals this is some i think it's indicative of as we've seen with this walter palmer guy he has a history of bad behavior and when you treat animals a certain way you treat people a certain way and something tells me he does not think black lives matter he is one of you know Absolutely. I think so, all of this is a
0: reassertion of yeah. where you are on the food chain like yes. that is exactly yep. what mm-hmm. this kind of behavior is it's like I am at the top of the food chain and I'm going to make sure that yes mm-hmm. I can kill the animal that's about to go extinct because that's I'm the boss I, I can, can afford
1: that. to do that first of right. all and I'll prove it by right. look at this rhino nose that right. I brought back
0: but,
3: and it's a it's the food train run amok or the food chain run amok because animals don't kill each other for sport. They don't. And they they hunt when they're hungry. And, you know, if Walter Palmer wants to go shoot the moose, you know, in his backyard and eat it for the next year and a half, that's fine by me. But if he's (laughs) if he wants to kill something just to leave its rotting carcass on the plane, he didn't even then donate that meat to the local people. He just left it there and yeah. took its head home. Like, the, that's I, gross. It,
2: there is something, I mean, not to excuse anybody uh, anybody's double standards or anything like this, there is something in our wiring, though. If you think about sort of what makes you cry at the movies, it's, it's like, always oh, it's Bambi's mother or old Yeller. <laughs> well, or there's are, like, anytime an animal dies in the movies, people are just puddles. It I, is. You know, <laughs> they can watch. You know, far
3: just, less complicated. Yeah, there's I mean, never like the bad guy, you, you know, like you never think. Animals, like you're like, they didn't hurt anybody and they can't defend themselves. So, unless they're what? a dog, yeah, a what? bad dog, a well, certain a kind dog. of dog. dog. Oh, and yes. then we
0: tend to be very sympathetic. Or, well, don't talk about my dog. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I, I can't Seems watch
2: the uh, the documentary The Code, which is about the Japanese oh, that's slaughter. Oh, that's yeah. I can't watch it. I can't, I mean, <laughs> I
0: can watch like the
2: Cambodian one, you know, <laughs> where people get killed, but I can't watch the one where the dolphins mm-hmm. get killed. All right, uh, a few, few calls here, and then I have a one quick. Uh, thought exercise for us to do after that. Here's uh, so exercise your brains, get them ready, loosen them up. We don't want any muscle pulls. Uh, here's David in Portland. Hi, David. Hi, how are you doing, guys? Okay. Uh, I think it's uh,
1: deserving that uh, a man that uh, works on teeth is now having his life ruined because he killed a creature known for his teeth. And second of all, um, if you're going to hunt, why don't you make it fair? Why don't you have the same Advantages as the creatures you're hunting. Go into the woods with your hands and your teeth, and then try to kill them and see what happens then. It's just right. disgusting. It makes me sick.
2: All right, uh, that precinct heard from, him. and here is he could have good teeth too. Peter mm-hmm. from Stanford. Hi, Peter. I just want to thank you,
0: Colin, for introducing me to the Moby Dick
2: Marathon in Mystic, Connecticut, which is going on right now. I'm going up there right now. This is my third year in a row, and you're talking about animals and the hunt for the whale. I I remember that distinctly, that uh, program with the Moby Dick Marathon, and uh, that was about uh, three or four years ago. Mm -hmm. And I've been going for three years straight, and it's going on right now. That's my endorsement. Uh, and uh, the, the whale is, I think, uh, the archetype of the uh, hunted animal uh, for the 21st century. Right now, yeah, obviously now Ahab, they'd be shaming him on Twitter, uh, <laughs> big time. he'd so. be, be hiding with Walter Palmer. Oh, that's right. So, so first of all, one thing that I, I um, this was an interesting thing to watch the sort of shaming mechanism uh, of America or of social media, uh, and and I've been a little bit freaked out by the so the shaming mechanism. When it's directed at somebody like on a first offense, you know, like somebody does, says something wrong, says something stupid and then their lives are torn apart. I'm kind of in the John Ronson camp about that. Mm-hmm. This guy is a serial offender. I feel so bad for him. But so here's the thought exercise. Uh, Teresa will probably mm-hmm. be of no use to us on this <laughs> but let 's imagine that i i i've i am thinking about opening up the nose you know as a private consulting group for people who who' images whose images have been damaged you know they need to somehow either rehabilitate themselves, put out a statement, do some crisis management whatever so wh- what what would we tell Wal- what could Walter Palmer do uh to stop being a pariah what could he do what could he say? What could he, you know, like if he hired us for another fifty thousand? First thing we is charge you, him more than fifty thousand. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. He has to appear in public and weep openly mm-hmm. uh, and express his sorrow. Uh, that's isn't there a standard kabuki um, <laughs> stair step that he has to walk <laughs> up, uh, apologize, uh, be surrounded by his uh, fellow sympathetic hunters who also apologize and and then. Go back to shooting lions, probably,
2: <laughs> but so more he, quietly. He can never discreetly. shoot lions again. I think. He yeah. Right. Control. Right. Right. But what else? Can I, I mean, is can this guy get his reputation back?
0: I mean, I don't see why. I, I am totally of the like. I am sure there's enough people who need their teeth worked on who don't really care. You know then what? He becomes, <laughs> he, just be,
1: don't. He, he becomes a veneer specialist for exactly. lions yeah. at zoos. And he does oh, Invisi- he works lines. Only on
0: in- incisors? Yeah, He
1: does Invisaligns for free at every zoo for every lion.
2: Right. I'm sure there is like this whole undercurrent of sympathizers, you know, who are yeah. getting in touch with him or trying to send word to him. Yeah, the know,
3: Trumps are probably sending right, him money right, right now. You could be my dentist. You <laughs> could um, be my
2: dentist. I, I do think it would be interesting to watch uh, an attempt to rehabilitate this guy. He's I mean, go- well, it's I've, going I, to happen yeah. at some point,
3: right? He's got to take all – apparently dentists make an exorbitant amount of money, and he needs to take that money and donate it to conservation causes. Like – in a sincere way, maybe open a, some right. sort of crazy park. You should move to Zimbabwe, <laughs> open up a free a dentist there. office.
0: There. Yeah. So, yeah,
2: I think that's the, you know, yeah. the 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 Tanisha part of this is important, too, <laughs> but partly because there, there has been this whole other critique of, like, why do we care about this lion and not about anything else? Um, so, yes, you should give a lot of money to conservation. But I mm-hmm. think, like, you know, there are, I know a lot of dentists who do go – like one week yep. a year, two week two weeks a year, they go someplace where there just isn't dental care, whether it's Haiti or someplace mm-hmm. else. England, yeah. I don't think that's been a big part of <laughs> a big part of Walter's life so far. But uh, yeah, he could like go work on Austin Powers or something. That would, be, <laughs> you know. Um, you could explain to what's going on with Katie Holmes's teeth on uh, on Ray Donovan, but um, what, what is the, going on with? It, I don't know. I'm not quite sure. So anyway, do we have more? Time? Yeah, I guess we could. We could take one more call. I guess We're getting A lot of calls. We got though. a lot of calls. Oh, I knew this would happen. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, people love the animals. People love it. The animals, they hate it, and all this kind of stuff. Here's here's uh, Jeff from Torrington. Hi, Jeff. Why do be
1: care more about lions than us uh, black?
2: All right, I think this is probably actually kind of a fake call. Uh, <laughs> all right, we'll try one more call. Here's Sam in Danbury. Hi, Sam.
1: Hey, uh, uh, hi, Colin. Love hi. your show. I was just wondering, like, why this is suddenly like such a big deal? Like, things like this happen. Like, rich white people killing like animals happens all the time. What set off the media frenzy? of this particular animal being killed by this particular white guy? I've been trying to find out, and no one seems to have the answer to that. He has a name. The lion
2: has a name. Yeah, that was the first. Jim said that first.
3: But this is also legal. I mean, this was illegal. Those people do it legally. It may be gross, but they're still doing it legally. Can you legally
1: kill a rhinoceros? Yeah. Like seven yes,
3: left. yes, you can, because they will give you a permit to kill like an old rhino right. that is too right. old to right. breed uh, or something
2: too old to breathe, probably
1: yes, yeah. <laughs> that,
3: too. like this thing's going <laughs> to crawl <laughs> off into the woods and die, <laughs> so you're you, allowed yeah, to you shoot kill a
2: rhino first. with a hacking cough right yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, there is a perfect storm quality to this too and there's and a mm-hmm. media frenzy yeah. too
1: mm-hmm. that 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 it keeps feeding itself it's a loop that that and like you said, there's a meta component of it where there's the backlash against the backlash against the backlash. And probably at some point, Walter Palmer emerges with a reality TV show.
3: Look, there's th- on the Sarah Palin yeah. network.
2: there's some way in which, uh, yeah. Now, also, the, first of all, the the unearthing of the trove of pictures of him, you know, bestriding other dead animals, and, and somehow, I mean, I, I you know, I don't want to get restraining order. I don't want to get in trouble with my longtime friend and underwriter. The fact that if he'd been if he'd owned uh, I don't know an auto body shop or something, I just I feel like the fact that he's a dentist from Minnesota that is somehow, that kicks some right. other tripwire. <laughs> I agree. You know, um, he like, does have I like perfect my teeth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like my dentist too, but there is sort of a sense like it's a he he's not if he'd been he's I don't some know sort of an oil yeah.
0: tycoon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, or you uh, could like <laughs> say oh, okay. Uh, yeah,
2: somebody who's doing well in the insurance industry. It's just not the same somehow. There's mm-hmm. something about this. Uh, and I so I, I do I think I think
1: it could have been any mm-hmm. entitled person. I don't think dentists are particularly entitled. And, uh, certainly no. not more than sons of Donald Trump or oil tycoons. Uh, dentists are pretty low on that food chain. There's something about this particular and, and the the fact that it was Ill, illegally lured off of its preservation. They, you know, this was sort of a, a a little bit more than just trophy hunting.
3: And it seems like there's a recourse here, right? This is a you, this guy can be punished one because it was illegal, but also because he's a dentist, he's not a Trump. Like you can shame the Trumps all you want. Mm-hmm. We can th- clearly see they don't care and they have enough money to just be like whatever it doesn't matter but this guy i mean he's a he's well off but he's not a you know independently wealthy bajillionaire so you know we can't ship him
0: dentists are very very well that's right
3: (laughs) but um you know we can ship him off to zimbabwe and let him be tried
0: all
2: right, we have to take a little break here. Um, Tanisha and I are going to work on a script now for about this dentist that this happens to. Uh, it'd be a good screenplay. I feel like the, I feel like we can get a good movie out of this. Uh, all right, and uh, we'll come back after this. And I'm Oh, here, here we are, back with the nose, and it's uh, Teresa Kramer from The Cut, Jim Chapdelaine, musician and producer extraordinaire from TheaterWorks, Tanisha Dugan. Uh, we're going to move on to the Amy Schumer moment, and what a moment it is, too. Uh, not only does she have the movie Trainwreck out right now, uh, written by her, starring her, uh, and Bill Hader and produced by Judd Apatow, but she's everywhere else, including she's on the cover of GQ, uh, GQ magazine, more or less dressed up like Princess Leia in her uh, sort of slave harem costume from Return of the Jedi. And on the cover, there's no nice way or other way to put it, sucking the finger of C-3PO uh, and in other sexualized poses inside the magazine. John Stewart has just announced that the last three guests uh, for his final shows uh, will be Amy Schumer, Dennis Leary, and Louis C.K. Um, but Amy Schumer is also being called out for her, quote, shockingly large blind spot around race uh, in The Guardian and other publications. Um, she's also there are a lot of complaints or at least questionings about sort of what sort of message she's sending right now about her women of her generation. Uh, there are some people who are kind of disappointed. The train wreck is a standard rom com uh, with a more or less spoiler happily ever, ever after ending to it. Uh, it's all about the girl that you. Well, actually, one person writing in um, the Washington Post said it's um, the rom com uh, the rom com polishing of Schumer's stick. We lose that slutty, crazy friend we were just getting to know and love. In the process of cleaning up her act, throwing out the bottles of booze, chucking the weed, and learning to be a monogamous, Schumer loses her edge. She begins to look more like the woman who's about to plan a wedding, and we've fallen for the one who, to, who used to obsessively plan her breakups. Um, so it, it, we're all about Amy Schumer at this moment. There's a lot of different things to talk about here in terms, terms of, the kind of the transgressive notion of her humor. Um, I, don't, I almost don't know where to start. Um, well, let's start with the Star Wars thing because it's the easiest and it's the most fun. So there are, these people, there are a lot of people. Well, first of all, we know that Disney, Disney and Lucasfilms complained right away. They didn't like this. Yeah. I don't know even how, know how GQ can get away with this because well, they, they really do use the images. Yeah, too.
1: I, I don't know how either. But they certainly um, – Star Wars fans are, are pretty militant about uh, sort of any deviation, right, from from the mythology. <laughs> And this is a deviant deviant deviation. Yes. So she would be, the the maybe the Walter Palmer of Star Wars right now. <laughs> yeah. um, so so she's in trouble for she just violating the orthodoxy of of Star Wars uh, with that cover. Um, but at a larger point, I think she's this woman that she's sort of funny. I find her very funny everybody's projecting like, oh, this is the future of comedy. I mean, I wouldn't want to be her right now. Not that I could be her. She says that, too. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. She it's like, she why? Wanna... She's just a funny woman, yeah. and she she's in a movie. Um, if anybody's carrying the mantle, to me, of the future of that kind of comedy, would be Sarah Silverman or Jessica Williams or the, these people who are funny in a larger sense. She has a very confined... Arena in which she operates
0: i mean it's interesting you talked you know mm. about the film, and it's sort of like I wonder when her life grows out of that that early thirties space, and that is no longer her topic of her stand up. Where does she go Sequel. because that is exactly what the i mean the film basically is like, okay, I went from being my late twenties early thirties you know still. Doing the thing, and now I'm. Yes, I am starting. Maybe I'm in a, you know, a relationship that. Is longer than so the sequel
1: is crazy. Days. she's a crazy mom <laughs> <laughs> this summer in a theater near
2: you. A Still
0: crazy smoking the weed, right. and drinking. And she's had a relapse exactly, and a baby. About exactly, about We're, to get a divorce. Well, where does
2: she go? Is a really interesting question, and a lot of people probably have seen the clip from her show inside Amy Schumer, where she gets together with her, happens upon Tina Fey mm-hmm. and Julia Lu- that's Louis-Dreyfus. That's exactly okay. I was thinking, yeah, yeah. and and um, and Patricia Arquette. And uh, and it, and so there. It turns out that they are having kind of this incredibly elaborate picnic to right. um, to celebrate Julia Louis Dreyfus's last uh, bleepable day or last uh, sec- day as a, a, a sex object, basically. And they're celebrating it mm-hmm. because and there's this hilarious moment where Julia Louis Dreyfus says. Uh, She's not sad. She goes, are you kidding? I don't have to maintain this anymore. <laughs> I'm right. no painting her about it. And then she grabs this kind of melted container of Ben and Jerry's ice cream and <laughs> chugs <laughs> it on the other ones. 30 years and it's a very, very funny routine. It's, it's mm-hmm. a kind of an, an interesting take on it. it and it's um, the... My significant other, uh, the woman uh, who shares a house with me, that's her Pequot name, um, <laughs> has uh, – she did, she wasn't that interested in Amy Schumer and didn't want to see the movie and stuff. I said, just watch this. And I explained what it, what it was. And She said, I'm not going to think that's funny. And then she watched it and thought it was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is – I mean when you think about where is she going to go, well, there's are questions about where you can go. Yeah, There are questions about where as, you can go as an actress as you get older but also where you can go as a comedian as you get older too.
3: Yeah, I she probably doesn't know. It's it's not really her. She's got a few years where, the, I mean, these sketch shows only last so long, right? She's, I mean, Key right. and Peel are going out on top this year, and she's probably got a couple more years before she's like, eh, we have beat this, like, feminist horse dead, so we're just gonna, we're just gonna skip out on this now. And I, I have absolutely no answer to the question, really. Like, I, they I mean, I can't think of a model for it.
1: If she's genuinely funny, mm-hmm. which she strikes me to be yeah. genuinely funny, then she will move on and find other things.
3: Maybe her comedy does become about
0: to be being
3: a bad mother. I mean, Louis you know, C.K. changed right. drastically sure. from being just like a weirdo on stage to talking about being a dad and being yeah. a husband and all this other stuff. I mean, a one
0: of the she says dad. In, yeah. In the GQ article is that like part of her comedy is mm-hmm. that she tells she speaks from a woman's voice but is still palatable to men. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that can take her through her mm-hmm. whole life if that is really the the you know her world view. I don't know.
2: Well, I mean, it's we can look at a couple of other models. One of them is Sarah Silverman, who really is about five to seven years ahead of Amy Mm -hmm. Schumer, doing kind of the same kind of humor, same kind of comedy. But but yeah, there are questions about how long you can mine that particular load of gold if you don't change it that much. And I think also, like, what else do you want to do with yourself? Now, one thing that Sarah Silverman is starting to do a little bit is act, Mm -hmm. Uh, and she she actually she had a small and kind of interesting role in Masters of Sex this year, Uh, and and uh, I mean, I wouldn't be
0: surprised. To say, I, don't, I I mean, P.S., Amy Schumer, I had. Mm-hmm. To, I happened to think, like, I didn't think it was very funny, and maybe that's just, I'm not a big fan of her comedy in general, but I actually thought those, like, tender moments when she's sort of dealing with the family issues, mm-hmm. she was really, really good. I was like, oh, you are mm-hmm. not just a stand-up comic, because most stand-up comics, to be honest, in my personal opinion, mm-hmm. aren't very good actors, but mm-hmm. I thought she does have that. Capacity to like act in a, in a serious movie or do real moments if need be.
1: All right, I don't, I, I gotta, I got, <laughs> I what? didn't, I saw the movie, I thought it was very really funny, but I didn't see too much acting on her part. <laughs> I thought her, I thought she was sort of being herself. I was impressed with Colin Quinn's acting, mm. and I thought Colin and I were talking earlier. Uh, I thought LeBron James was great.
0: And James I thought is LeBron mad. James was horrible. I was like, mm, well, what's well, He a basketball. Just, uh, Beyond that, you know. <laughs> we haven't agreed on a single thing <laughs> today.
2: The, the other thing that we're seeing here is uh, in, in Lena Dunham, uh, in Sarah Silverman. In uh, Amy Schumer are women who explore or as comedians explore and really explore their sexuality right, right. we mm-hmm. see them i mean this the the movie trainer really is and, and her show inside Amy Schumer is about being a sexual person and, and about having sex and, and and doing it sometimes in the movie uh, pretty graphically. You're seeing Lena Dunham do the same thing too. And they're not classically attractive women, although I think they're very plausibly sexy and interesting women. It's the same thing. And I think Sarah Silverman is really attractive. And that is um, – a redefinition of what a funny woman was, too. Well, Tina Fey started that, too. I think was, it was part of that. Well,
1: um, let's give
0: Joan Rivers her props, Joan Rivers, sure. I mean, like, <laughs> sure. she is Although, definitely the grand dame mm-hmm. of or was the grand dame of that kind but of... But was
1: she ever really sexy? Was she, like, sort of this hot comedian?
0: Is, uh, I mean, I guess I'm leaving that up to you. I personally don't think Sarah Silverman or Amy Schumer are, I like, are
1: I think my, my sexy a, gals, mm-hmm. but... I mean, I...
3: Well, I like her. Kristen I'll give Wig. You that. Yeah, I'll give you,
1: okay, Kristen Wiig right now. Is
3: the uh, better question like do you have to be doing that right now in comedy to be successful? Because yeah. who are the other women that are, you know, that level of comedy who aren't talking Tig about that? Or do you conflate yes, Hollywood
0: t- and mm-hmm. comedy? And that's really as much of the conversation right, right. as what kind of entertainment do you do? It's just mm-hmm. the thing.
2: Well, also, I mean, when you're in this business. I don't know whether it really speaks specifically to that skit I was talking about before. But in point of fact, Amy, um, Amy Poehler and Tina Fey—they don't do sort of, for the most part. I haven't seen mm-hmm. all their movies, but they don't do sort of take off your clothes, right. mm-hmm. have sex, and, and they, if they, they do, it's awkward and, right, and anti- uncomfortable. Right? right, right. <laughs> they don't—they don't do a lot of. I, I mean, Trainwreck is—you know—there's mm-hmm. just there's a, like a lot of pretty graphic sex scenes in, in Trainwreck. So, but I wonder John whether that's a generation... Yeah, yeah. The John Cena scenes are, are mind-boggling. Yeah. But um, but uh, I don't, you know, is that because Tina Fey and Amy Poehler really have broken through that barrier of blankability that's part of that skit? Or just or did because, they internalize or Or, or, or have, did they develop a different style they of comedy? They seem to
1: be able to work it? a wider array of topics yeah. mm-hmm. more comfortably. And they're not... And they haven't been Pigeonholed. I mean, maybe Amy Schumer is kind of putting a a rope around herself, Mm -hmm. or maybe her people, or whatever. But if you watch her stand-up routine, which is where her jump off, um, it's very much about she's flipping the roles. I'm the man, and Mm -hmm. and and girl power. And look at how nasty and raunchy I can be. I find Sarah Silverman goes works a broader topic
0: i would agree with that you Yeah, know. and i, think and I actually, kind of represents my generation of women in that way might mm-hmm. be that yep. i feel like that's part of the the brand of feminism that we're dealing sure. with right now mm-hmm. where it's like i want to make sure that my sexual power is equivalent to a male's mm-hmm. and so i want to make sure and i'm saying like the royal eye
3: yeah
0: that you know that you perceive me as not just going for the picket fence and the and the mm-hmm. and the wedding and the kids i want to go out and have fun and and like have a one night stand and i'm just the same as you and i think mm-hmm. that's just but you're still on the perhaps. royal eye, right yes the royal yeah, eye. yeah. yeah. and i think that's Check. perhaps <laughs> generational Selfish, you know silverman is what generation y it's a, it's a little
2: Different. let's talk also a little bit about um the more controversial side of this which is like a lot of hyper transgressive comics and i do feel as though maybe women comics are held to a slightly harder and different standard but um she's taking a certain amount uh, of criticism for stuff that's uh, in her routines that is i mean well i mean just a To say one of the articles that we read, The Guardian published a piece calling out her shockingly large blind spot around race uh, in her uh, MTV Movie Awards hosting gig. She said that Latina women are, quote, crazy in another of her stand-up routines – uh, she also says nothing works 100 percent of the time except Mexicans. In uh, another bit, she blithely told an audience that Latino men are rapists. She's Well, be, oh, that's the, how they summarized it. Sounds but, like she's Donald Trump. What she said, <laughs> yeah. They, actually, that article made that point. She said, I used to date Hispanic guys, but now I prefer consensual. Um, so <laughs> these are hard-edged jokes. I mean they rely a little bit on the Sarah, the Sarah Silverman trope it, it was – I'm this dumb person right. saying this incredibly shocking and horrible stuff mm-hmm. because I'm playing this dumb person who doesn't know any better. I don't, Do we let comics off for that? Is that a reasonable?
3: I think Sarah gets away with it a little better because you also get the sense that she is saying it specifically to make you think about why you're laughing at this joke. And Amy Schumer comes off a little more like, nope, yep. Hispanic dudes really are aggressive or whatever like she's not making you think about anything that th- she's just putting this out there that's what she's trying to say I mean for example this, uh,
2: Sarah Silverman joke would be she she'll talk about looking at mm-hmm. these uh, the save the children ads of these mm-hmm. uh, starving children in Africa and she, and she says I got so upset and every single one of those children was pregnant yeah. um, <laughs> and uh, and it's clear she's playing mm-hmm. a stupid person right now yes
3: and um, I mean, I personally will let a comic off the hook for just about anything short of straight up hate speech, because I i mean, just the more offensive you are, the funnier I tend to find you. Um, but I was trying to think about other comics who really don't do this. And I, I've been listening to this podcast lately called, well, I've started listening to two new podcasts. One is Tig Notaro's podcast. I love her. Professor Blastoff. She's great. And then this other one called Race Wars with Kurt Metzger, who is a writer on Amy Schumer's show. Mm-hmm. And she the comedian Sharad small and they have people come in and they talk about all sorts of things in basically as offensive a manner as they can <laughs> come up with awesome. and it's it's one really interesting to hear people who are comfortable around each other talk about topics that everybody else gets very sensitive about but sometimes they're just kind of stupid and reductive too but you know i prefer the professor blast off thing because sometimes i'm just like okay you're just kind of You're just kind of saying this for shock value. There's nothing all that funny about it. Like if you could really craft a joke that was really funny and made me laugh, you can say whatever offensive thing you want. But you're just being gross.
2: I mean, you know, know, um, Tanisha, one of the questions that I ask myself, um, because I often do enjoy kind of shocking humor and I enjoy Sarah Silverman's humor. But obviously that persona allows her to make a rape joke. And it's still a rape joke. I mean, whatever jokes is, you know, I was raped by a doctor. You know for a Jewish girl that's a real mixed blessing or something I mean, this, is, this is you know and, and, and she also will make jokes about um, mentally challenged uh, people uh, once again, f- kind of from this persona of this person who doesn't seem to know any better than to do this, and that the joke is really on the speaker as opposed to the object of the joke, but it really kind of also allows her as a comedian to go get some laughs right. that that maybe you would have a hard time justifying getting under ordinary circumstances
0: yeah it's interesting. I mean, Lena Dunham had the same sort of issue, and I think that it's indicative of their lifestyles. I mean, they do have a blind spot when it comes to race because well, I, their life probably reflects that but I'm and so i get the I get the jokes and i and I did laugh at all of the Amy Schumer jokes who just you know ran down <laughs> because they are
3: funny I'm wondering, <laughs> is it a blind spot or a deliberate transgression? of racial lines is, is it a blind spot or do they know they're doing this and doing it on purpose?
2: Well, Jim, one, one, we hear comedians say a lot, um, uh, sometimes if I'm another podcast where comedy sometimes is discussed in interesting ways, uh, is sometimes on the Nerdist, and I think it was uh, Anthony Jeselnik is that his name? Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 he I I think we talked about this one time on the Nerdist. I, he gave this very interesting uh, interview on the Nerdist where he, he, I mean, he really did say whatever offends you most. I don't care, mm-hmm. you know. I, I really don't care. He said what I'll hear back from people who say, and they'll say, I have a great sense of humor. Uh, but I didn't find that funny. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he says, my reaction is, no, you don't have a great sense of humor. And so that's, that's the other way to look at it. Well, I, well, I'm going to do this and whatever your problem is with it, that's whatever your problem there, is. There
1: it. is a whole B level of comedy like Tosh 2.0 yeah. whatever where yeah. I just can't find that guy funny. Okay. But I, I go back to Richard Pryor who said a right. lot of provocative things but was Always funny and was always pretty deep about it. He, he, and he did some things that were very transgressive, uh, especially at the time. He was – man, he pushed back so hard against the network censors that that became a regular part of his show. But when he did his stand-up routine, that was a transforming experience. I mean I think I could still memorize. I think I memorized most of it.
0: Um, and, but the structure of his comedy is so different and I'd have to like go back and look at it a little more Amy. But like I find that his structures were long, mm-hmm. you know, and so the long form jokes allow you as an audience to sort of think, mm-hmm. discover as you are telling the jokes some of the transgressions. Mm-hmm. Amy doesn't really allow for. Well, you maybe to do she that. has it's a little bit of horse belt
1: in her, where she's peppering you with one-liners. Yeah, and they're and they're going by so fast that you're thinking like, wow, every single thing she says is hilarious. But she's also, and then the onus is on mm-hmm. you
0: as the audience mm-hmm. to point out that, oh, this is. Uh, uh.
2: She's very aware of where the tripwires are. And mm-hmm. once again, I think because of that persona, it gives her a chance to explore stuff that we just wouldn't... I mean, things that we th- would think of as sort of sick humor. I mean, mm-hmm. I one of the first stand-up things I ever saw her do is she did the whole thing about why why can't you shake babies? Right. She said, like, <laughs> how, how, how do you play with them, you know? And then she says, what if they're giving you an attitude? True. Uh, well, I mean, this is, you know, you can't joke about this mm-hmm. unless right. you're a shock comic who has this kind of persona. And then you kind of wonder, well, I mean, that's a humor... Kind of humor that we've dismissed for a certain reason, and now we're kind but of. But isn't re- shock
1: comedy more like Howard Stern, where uh, yeah. he's not really funny; he's just shocking, right? And mm-hmm. whereas Amy Schumer is actually funny, she is funny. But, so,
0: but is she funny because she's saying things that we are all saying in the privacy of our own dinner parties? Well, I rarely like, have
2: a conversation about <laughs> shaking a
1: baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, I, I hadn't seen that, that so, routine, but I well, understand why it's funny. You know she's playing an idiot.
3: When I watch Amy Schumer's show, I find her a lot funnier than I find her stand-up. Like she actually had this special, I think it's on Netflix still, and it's her and like three or four other female comics. I forget exactly what it's called, but I laughed at some of those other women much harder than I laughed uh-huh. at Amy Schumer. And so I think she's riding a little bit on the success of her writers who are crafting tighter jokes for the actual show and and more. Um, Thoughtful things for the show than she's doing on stage.
2: All right, we're going to have to pause it there uh, so we'll have time for endorsements. So we'll take a little break. We'll be back with more. All right. We're back. This is the nose. This is the point where, where Kion thanks everybody. And of course, I don't have Kion. So, um, but, so thanks to Betsy Kaplan. She's on the board today. And she's helped uh, keep the show organized. Alex Dubin uh, is on phones for us today. I don't know who else I should thank. I should thank everybody. Uh, and we will be uh, doing The Scramble on Monday. One of the things we're going to explore, I think, on The Scramble on Monday is... Actually, a question about public radio, which is that over the weekends on public radio, you can hear language and frank discussion of topics that you would never hear on public radio during the week. (laughs) So what's that all about? How come you can say those words on the weekends? Uh, All right. So uh, meanwhile, we're doing the nose here today. Jim Chapterling, Teresa Kramer, Tanisha Dugan. We're going to do endorsements right now. Tanisha, you go first.
0: Well— even though I wasn't a huge fan of Trainwreck, I am going to endorse um, a beverage that she was consuming that I don't see enough in the liquor stores around Connecticut, and that's the Bandit Boxed Wines. When I lived in the city, it was like my jam. I would take it on the, on the Long Island Railroad How big of a every day. It's a juice box size. Yeah, It's awesome. So good, I endorse that.
2: Good for infants, too. <laughs> exactly. I didn't know what that was in the movie. I didn't recognize the product.
0: Oh yeah. yes, and it's and it's good wine too, so I endorse it not just because it's in a box, but also because it's pretty decent. Yeah. And then I'm also going to endorse because I'm, you know, we're talking about being in your 30s with with Amy, uh, the 30th uh, anniversary season of Theater Works. They are moving out of their 20s and into grown-upness, 30s, and we are celebrating throughout the year uh that life change. <laughs> All right. Jim Joplin,
2: Endorse Away. I, you know, I
1: really only have one this, this time. It's uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates' mm-hmm. uh, book, Between Me and the World, is incredibly powerful. It's it's not long. It's just powerful. It's, it's tiny, And actually. I think everyone should read it. I think everyone in high school should read it, and, and, and everyone who's ever said the word high school should read it. And everyone should just read this. And maybe we won't get so upset about Cecil,
2: Yes, Uh, but we'll get more upset about other things. We're having kind of an amazing moment uh, here in America about all this stuff, and we were talking about this on The Wheelhouse on Wednesday, and I said the one thing that will – emerge from the summer and stay through the 2016 election cycle is some version of hashtag black, black Lives Matter. That's the thing. Everything, Nothing else that happens in the summer is going to matter at all. But this is going to keep going. So, yeah.
1: You'll be able to buy a Trump wig right. online <laughs> um, soon.
2: Yes, absolutely. Just like <laughs> Beetlewigs. wigs. All right. Teresa Kramer, what have you got for us?
3: I have some uh, conservation-themed Endorsements, um, if you are mad about Cecil, you can go to wildcru.org and donate to the research unit at Oxford that was tracking him and um, studying conservation in general. And then there's a Netflix documentary called Virunga about the eastern Congo and the last mountain gorillas there who are in very much imperiled from um, militias and poachers and oil companies trying to drill in that national park against international law. Um and it was the Oscar people who protect the them. Yeah, it was actually, it was amazing. It was really great. And then I happened to be reading a book called A Wolf Called Romeo, which is a dumb title about a really cool story about a wolf that, like, befriends the people of Juneau, Alaska. It's completely true, and it's weird but very cool. Does he talk? Mm-hmm. No. Mm-mm.
2: Okay, so uh, God, you guys all went really fast, so now I've got to stretch here a little bit. But I, got, I do have a few things here. I, I'm going to endorse in particular. Well, I'm going to endorse Ian McShane's performance in Ray Donovan. I've just come to enjoy Ian McShane. Anything so much. he does, yeah, and he's really great in Ray Donovan. And Ray Donovan is turning out to be what we kind of had hoped the second season of True Detective would be. The second season of True Detective being kind of disappointing. You making me cry. Kind of so sad. This, uh, this, uh, it's so sad. But the current, the th- I think it's the third season of Ray Donovan is uh, terrific. Ian McShane plays this insanely rich and powerful and corrupt uh, but – you know, inevitably, kind of winning because it's Ian McShane guy. And there's this incredible scene where he goes, he and Ray Donovan go in the, uh, to meet the governor of California. And Ray Donovan wants this impossible thing. He wants his brother, who's in a tremendous amount of trouble, trouble, immediately released from prison, even though he's just killed somebody in prison. And Ian McShane is so rich and powerful, he goes in there and he asks the governor for this. And the governor talks a little bit, and Ian McShane just says, I wasn't expecting it to take this long. <laughs> <laughs> it 's just it 's the perfectly delivered line he 's just so great um, I actually, the, another of my endorsements. I have to thank uh, Teresa for this. Uh, you, you sort of a post that you had on Facebook s- uh, sent me down this road. Uh-oh. Right, and we're going to go out with the music uh, uh, by this group. It's called they're called Postmodern Jukebox. Oh yeah, and yeah, and they are terrific. They are sort of mm-hmm. essentially a jazz group, uh, and they have a, kind of a nice jazz look to them too. I mean, they've got the hats, and sometimes they've got the dresses <laughs> so and the suits, hipsters, and the and they've even got the little bandstand things sometimes. And what they really specializes in taking contemporary songs and recasting them uh, as jazz tunes or as big band tunes. There's lots of other people who do this. But they also seem to have this inexhaustible supply of young female jazz singers. It's not just one. They've got three or four of them who, who take these songs and just turn them around in, in really interesting ways. It's so, a factory. Right. It's just so, a factory. So Postmodern Jukebox, I think they have a brand new CD out. Be careful on Amazon because sometimes they're selling a single on Amazon for like $9.98 or something. So be careful you don't accidentally buy a single for a for CD price but they do uh, have something coming out right now Uh, and we're going to end the show with um, their reinterpretation of bad blood um, which may turn out also to be the song of the summer, although I never would have believed that. <laughs> um, anyway, um, lastly, because I do have time, I will endorse something I've only watched a few episodes of on uh, Netflix. It's called BoJack Horseman. It's an uh, animated show. It, uh, is, have you seen BoJack Horseman?
3: I, I've been hearing about it a yeah. lot lately.
2: Will Arnett is, plays the voice of this this sort of guy where a it's, it's a human body but a horse's head, and he's this washed up sitcom star. He was on this kind of you know sort of Bob Saget type family comedy uh in the 90s and he's just been doing nothing ever since.
1: I love to see the casting call.
2: Yeah, and well the and the voicing I, I was looking at the IMDb listing and it's um Everybody is going to be in this. You know, I mean, Tatiana Maslany from Orphan Black. I mean, like every, anybody you can think of is going to have a cameo. So it's an animated tracks. Sharknado. It's, yes, it's, it really is. <laughs> it is an animated, except with a great deal more wit to it. Anyway, so thanks to all of you uh, who listened today and thanks to our amazing Nose panel. We are going to go out uh, with a little bit of that jukebox sound.